everyone to the Rest Podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Roberts, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and Rest, Virginia Dixon. Good morning, Natalie. Good morning, Virginia. There is no place like this sanctuary. I just have to say that. Agreed. Because as I'm looking at you and I just see literally like hundreds and hundreds of oaks behind you and mm-hmm. all around us. It just, I always feel hope yeah, and peace and tranquility. And so I love it when we have the opportunity to record here. Me too. Which we do all the time, but it's only once a week. So <laughs> yeah, just, so still, it's about special. This? I like to see you here. Yes, I love being here. So the last episode, we just got finished listening to it together, actually. Mm-hmm. And we were both thrilled one with how it turned out. We thought that it was a very powerful episode, but there was a lot of things that you wanted to add on to it. So this is going to be transitions part two. By the way, we never listen to the podcast yeah. together ever. <laughs> we I never listen so. to the podcast. <laughs> and exactly. then I edit it. And there's no time. There's just simply no time. Yeah. But I'd like to dedicate this segment mm-hmm. to Sir John, who left time on the 10th and he stepped into heaven. I I just have to share something about his passing that was so beautiful. I was waking up every on the hour, hour and a half Mm -hmm. to dispense the medication to manage the pain. And every time was so precious and he was so brave and strong and courageous. And he passed with the same integrity with which he lived. And that was captivating to me. But on that last final moment, I had slept in a little bit because his beautiful wife arrived and she insisted on spending this last night, what we thought what might be his last night with him and caring for him. And it was just so sweet. And she never woke me up which was amazing. So I woke up in a panic at four in the morning, which, you know, I wake up at four, four 30 every day anyway, but I woke up in a panic and I don't know why, but I felt compelled to read Psalm 119, which is the longest Psalm. And for weeks I'd been saying to him, this is kind of for you, Natalie, John, we've got to find your tears. Mm. We have to find your tears, John. And he'd smile really big. (laughs) And he said, we're going to find those. Mm -hmm. And as I finished reading the very last word of Psalm 119, I felt the last pulse. And his sweet wife said, Virginia, would you look at this? After years of working with him, one giant tear dripped down from his cheek. Wow. And it was the most, one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced. I'm glad I didn't miss a minute of his passing. After working with him for three years, we just developed an amazing relationship over time. And he experienced so many peaks in that pilgrimage and so much transformation and so much stepped into so much rest yeah. during that time. But I think the reason I wanted to dedicate this segment to him is because he served one of the largest international publicly traded companies that this country ever birthed. Mm. And he served a key leadership role in that company for almost 40 years. He was humble. He was genuine. He was dedicated, just pure integrity. 
but that work and the performance thing was what drove him. And then during the course of the last three years, he thought, wow, did I spend my life in the right things? Mm. And although he might not have lived for the right things, or so he would tell you today, he passed knowing, understanding, living, and communicating the best things. Mm -hmm. And I felt like he left a nectar of wisdom for me to draw from for years to come. Mm -hmm. It was an amazing thing. I'm still processing it all. I'm going to write about it, Natalie. Well, and he kept serving up until he passed because, you know, there are two others here at the villa who were serving him, but he in turn was serving them just by the amount of knowledge and wisdom that he was giving them and the love that he was showing them too. Because this is our headquarters. This is like our retreat center. And here we invite people to experience rest. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to call this our program, You Rest like university rest, but no, mm-hmm. you will rest Yes, and the changes will be transformative. And you're so right, Natalie. It wasn't just watching him transition through the pilgrimage of cancer and grow and change with really an, an, a growing understanding of grace and mercy. Yeah. But it was also the impact it had on the other two people staying here. It was the most beautiful thing to experience. And I realized that we're not invited to live in community. I think it's false. I'm going to be talking about that extensively. I think we are invited to live in communion, Mm. first with ourselves, God, and then each other. It's communion, not community. Agreed. So it's just this beautiful thing. I'm going to break that down one of these days. (laughs) Anyway, I think in these transitions, Natalie, I wanted to focus on the fact that No matter what happens in life, we can all find peace in knowing that truth floats. Mm -hmm. False things will die a natural death. And the truth of the integrity, the love, the compassion, the sensitivity, for example, that a life well lived was displayed in those final weeks of his life. It was a beautiful thing to, to see. But as we know, our nation... Relationships, family, communities, spheres of influence, structures of authority, institutions of faith, and our civil government is experiencing huge, huge, huge transitions. Yeah. And I want to talk about that a little bit because when there's these transitions, there's competing ideas fighting for our affections. And wrapped up in those competing ideas, this little word that's really a trigger for me because of what I lived through in in, in previous episodes, I mentioned that I'm an immigrant, but this whole concept of propaganda, Mm. propaganda becomes central. And I want people to rest assured that in spite of all these competing ideas and this propaganda that's that we all see is happening, we just don't know which voice to listen to, right? I want people to know that truth floats. Yeah. And if there's anything that Sir John taught me, <laughs> is that in the pilgrimage of life, if we can remain integritous and pursue truth and not defend our opinions, but really become truth seekers, mm. that not only will truth float, but when it floats... All we have to do is rise up with it, yeah, with it and rise up, not just with it, but with the strength 
and courage and conviction that regardless the cause, we will speak truth in love without compromise. But I know you looked up that word while I was going on a rant today before we recorded. I know you looked up the words. So I did. Yes. So for in case anyone doesn't know, the word propaganda means information, ideas, opinions or images, often only giving one part of an argument that are broadcast, published or in some other way spread with the intention of influencing people's opinions. And we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast, but I thought that that was really important to differentiate between like propaganda versus advertisement. This is done with intention. That's right. And you mentioned a law that was passed in 2013 that I was not aware of. Can you recap that? Yeah. So in 2013, and I wasn't aware of this either until right before we actually recorded the last podcast was in 2013, our U S government legalized the use of propaganda in the U S not only now were they able to advertise for, you know, politicians and things like that. That's always been a thing. We've always seen advertisements for politicians, but now they actually were able to only well for, for political worldviews and perspectives and all of that, which is the political discourse. Yes. But, but this is different. This is different because now they don't have to give the full story. They can they can skew anything that they like. You know, it has an intention to influence people's thoughts, people's emotions emotions, uh, people's beliefs. Well, and the reason this is, and I'd like you to find the source of that ruling, if you don't mind, before the podcast is over. But I'd like to read something that surprisingly, Riley, another staff member, brought to my attention. And she just said, Virginia, you got to read this because we're all about displacing confusion, chaos and dis-ease. And based on what Natalie just said, you can see how these competing ideas, whether it's dealing with our health, whether it's dealing with our relationships, whether it's dealing with our institutions of faith, our view of theology, God is or God is in our philosophy, you can see how competing ideas must be scrutinized and not consumed. But in this age of propaganda that is relatively a new invasive thing, or at least we haven't seen it to this proportion, it really becomes important to understand what it is and what's happening to us. Because if we don't, confusion, chaos, and dis-ease that will lead to disease, illness, and death, not just of our spirit, soul, and body and our relationships, but of our institutions of faith and of our nation. So I, I do have an interesting resource, like I said, that one of our staff members brought to my attention, not really even knowing what we were discussing, Natalie. Mm-hmm. So it is a transcript from an interview, and I've watched the full interview. It's phenomenal with Mr. Bizminov who was born in 1939 in the suburbs of Moscow. He was the son of a high-ranking Soviet army officer. He was educated in elite schools inside the Soviet Union and became an expert in Indian cultural and Indian language. He had an outstanding career, and he became the press arm or the press agent of the Soviet Union. This press agency was a front for the KGB, He escaped to the West in 1970 after becoming totally disgusted with what he saw emerging in the Soviet Union. And he did this, by the way, at great risk to his personal life. Mm 
She certainly is one of the world's outstanding experts about Soviet propaganda and disinformation and active measures. Mm-hmm. And Natalie just gave us the definition of propaganda. He spoke several times about ideological subversion, and that is a phrase that Americans do not fully understand. When the Soviet Union used the phrase ideological subversion, what they mean by ideological submersion is a very slow process, which we call either ideological submersion or active measures of psychological warfare. In other words, creating a culture of confusion, chaos, and disease. What that basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite the abundance of information, no one is able to come to a sensible conclusion in the interest of defending themselves, their families, or their community, or their country. It's a great brainwashing process, which goes very, very slow and is divided into four basic stages. And the reason this was important to read the exact transcript, Natalie, is because this is the face of evil, generating confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to divide. We are not a nation divided. I've said this before. We're a nation in a state of confusion, chaos, and dis-ease. And if we do not rise up and intercept this, Disease, illness, and death will come to our nation, yeah, to our institutions of faith, to families, to the individual, but not in that order. It happens the other way around. What's being manipulated is the individual impacting relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Creating confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in what? In discourse, in how we communicate, in how we reason, in how we process ideas and things. But it's propaganda that's assaulting our capacity to communicate effectively. So if we can understand the methods of how that happens, the change can happen very, very quickly. We can turn this thing around, but people have to understand that the primary sphere of influence is their capacity to reason. These are the United States of America. One nation. Under God. Under God. Indivisible. Mm-hmm. With liberty and justice for all. What makes this nation fully, completely indivisible are these principles rooted in liberty, which is the capacity to access and live by the deepest core of your convictions, right? Mm-hmm. That ultimately sustain life. And the consequence of that is freedom. Liberty is an internal function of the soul. It's a function of conscience. And when we live by that, we experience freedom. And the root of these ideas are in Judeo-Christian worldviews. The founders of this republic absolutely were scholars of ancient governments. What worked, what didn't. But fundamentally, they had an understanding of the nature of man, that the nature of man was fallen and it needed checks and balances that would have significant consequences so that they could self-govern. And what sets this nation apart is that this form of civil government was established to protect 
the people from the infringement of government, of civil government, not to protect the government from the infringement of people. Correct. The government is an institution of power. They naturally have a lot of power, but the power is delegated by By voluntary consent by the people to secure their civil liberties. And we see that there's a shift in that taking place and it's being driven by propaganda. Mm -hmm. But I think the important thing is we're not a nation divided. That's a lie from the pit of hell. We're a nation confused Mm -hmm. in a state of chaos and great dis-ease. Yeah. So if we can understand the anatomy of that dis-ease, they cannot divide us. So division comes from confusion, chaos, and disease. So we're not a nation divided. We're a nation confused. Mm. So there's a lot of competing narratives, but they're all driven by propaganda. Anyway, going back to his final statement here, the fruit of their agenda is that no one would have the sensibilities to draw conclusions, to reason, because there are so many competing ideas that are being thrown out that are false narratives that it sends a country into absolute chaos. Apparently, according to Mr. Bizinimov, there are four stages, basic stages of dividing and creating this kind of confusion, chaos, and dis-ease. The first one is demoralization. It takes about 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years to educate one generation of students in a country before they're exposed to and they're aware of the ideology of the enemy. Mm. In other words, Marxism, Leninism, ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of at least three generations of Americans without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of America and American patriotism. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completely already done, especially when we took the study of civics out of the schools in the 70s. Yeah. So by the way, all this is a direct quote from him. Most of the demoralization is done by Americans to Americans Sadly, as a result of collapsing moral standards. Yep. He states, he continues, as I mentioned before, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who is demoralized is unable to access true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Even if I shower him with information, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him the concentration camps, he will refuse to believe it until he is going to receive a swift kick in his fat bottom. That's the tragedy of this process of demoralization. I have to make a comment, Natalie. Exposure to true information does not matter anymore until you get cancer. Until you have a debilitating autoimmune disease. So I want to tell our listening audience, because you follow our podcast, your body will inform you when confusion, chaos, and dis-ease is setting in to this extent, and there's a chronic violation of conscience. And I'm going to tell you how you know. Because you will be consumed by addiction. 
you will be consumed any variety of addictions from pornography to alcohol to drugs to shopping, any number of things. You will have an idolatrous heart. That's how you know this invasion is taking place in your primary sphere of influence. So you don't have to be destabilized to that extent. Your body will inform you. Listen to your body. Natalie is giving me the look, so I do not have time to get into the next stages, the specific stages of how this happens. But I do want to conclude this segment. So we're going to have to have a part three, Natalie. I'm good with that. Yep. This is great. This is great. Yeah, it is. It's good information, especially when it's coming out of a Soviet source. Yeah. From the person who was one of the handful of people that was behind these narratives of methods and ways of destabilizing nations. Yeah. So this definition of propaganda that Natalie shared with us is really important because at the end of the day, much like John did fighting cancer, much like we all have to negotiate our perception of reality and our stages of confusion, chaos, and dis-ease throughout the course of our life. We need to begin to really nail down effective ways of dealing with invasive thoughts. Are they you thoughts? Are they you statements that you're hearing? Are they I, I, I statements that I'm hearing? For example, You're never going to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. You don't even have the resources to make that happen. You're selfish. And the only person you think about is yourself. Or you're not enough. You're not enough. Mm -hmm. Those are intrusive. You're not worthy. Yeah. Right. Other intrusive thoughts. And sometimes we have to find out what the source of those you, you, you statements are. Right. Another example of intrusive thoughts that can help us combat propaganda is the I, 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 I statements. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do with that. I don't want to hear that. I'm not turning on the news. I, I, I can't even understand what's happening. I am so confused. I feel that causes me too much dis-ease, too much stress. I, 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 if those you statements and those I statements, you statements are never productive. No. But even you or I statements, you have to decipher really quickly if they're life-giving or life-snuffing. Yeah. If they are productive and if they're not. And you need to stop it right there and say, and then I want to get to the most important segment of that. But the other is I want people to really be intentional about deciphering their thoughts about the things they're hearing and about the statements, that internal conversation they have with themselves. Is the source of those thoughts coming from you? Is it coming from others? Right? And is it coming from nowhere? If they're coming from you, are they dark things you're believing about yourself because the things that others spoke to you or experiences you've had Mm -hmm. like John learn the message of grace. We're living in the era of grace. There's unmerited favor. Think about grace as a tree that's constantly giving fruit. Mm -hmm. Are you going to take that fruit and eat it? Cause it's at your disposal. Everybody, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how much shame, how much regret you have. Grace is the unmerited favor of God that if you can just take it and learn to consume it and receive it, 
You're going to have to humble yourself to do that, right? But you will learn how to extend yourself and others mercy. That means overlook an offense. Because to receive the grace of God, you've got to repent, turn, stop and think, right? That's what the word repent means. You've got to stop and think about why God makes this grace available to you. Because he understands that the power of propaganda didn't begin with a Soviet Union agenda, right? Or Marxist or Leninism. We find a narrative of shame, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That came from the beginning of time. It's in the narrative in the garden, right? Mm -hmm. So I want people to really be intentional of really digging deep and saying, hey, what's the source of this? Or is it coming from nowhere? And you have no idea why you have these negative thoughts that, you know, where are they coming from? Well, we talk a lot about that. We have an adversary, somebody that opposes us. Confusion, chaos, and disease is something we continuously have to manage our lives to resist. Mm -hmm. And there's practical things in our lives that I think are good examples of that. So in this time of great transition, I just want to leave this segment with, hey, be intentional about thinking about what you think. Be intentional about what are the invasive thoughts that occupy. Is it a quiet, still voice that compels you to strive and to persevere and to do more? Mm -hmm. Or is it sometimes a quiet, still voice that is accusing, that is diminishing every single thing in your anatomy that's fighting to sustain your life? Yeah. And the last thing I want to make a comment on just to make it really simple is that if it's an I statement, it's coming from you. It's something that you believe about yourself. And it could have been something that, you know, was told to you growing examine up. It. That examine you know, it. Yeah, yeah. Examine it. If it is a you statement, then you know, it's coming from an external source. So again, examine, examine it, it and yeah. figure out what that source is. And we'll tell you a little bit more about how to do that. And then of course, how to correct those thoughts in the next segment. I want to say one more thing. That was wonderful. I go for Natalie, by the way. So in this discussion, we want to invite you to step into a place of rest. We have curriculum online. You can access that information. If you go to on demand, you have access to understanding how you can step into a place of rest. I meet with you every other Tuesday for several hours. Mm-hmm. Join us. Yeah. Rise up. Truth floats, but you have to have tools and resources to navigate the information, the propaganda, if you will, that is upon us. Mm -hmm. God bless you all. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Virginia. God bless us all in this endeavor. You're going to make me think of Tiny Tim. Uh, God bless us, everyone. (laughs) Really, God bless us, everyone. This is in our darkest hour. This can be our finest moment, but we need to rise up. Yeah, it's time. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate or call 949-289-5935. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week.